This is Eric Thomas, Chief Distribution Officer at Allianz Life. I've been with the company for 25 years now, and I'm a graduate of the St. John's University in Collegeville, Minnesota. My wife and I have three teenage boys. We live in Excelsior and stay active with our kids' involvement in high school basketball and tennis. And when I'm not walk, uh, working or watching or playing sports, uh, I love playing golf. And if any of you are wondering, I'm not as good as Nate, but I am better than Brian. Sorry about that, B. But uh, I'll be on the podcast today to talk uh, with the guys about five traits in every successful business. Well, welcome back to the Bull, the Bear, and my brother's chair. My name is Nate Lucius, and I am joined by Brian Lucius, who I may refer to as Bilu. Bilu, oh, we're on to season two. Man, it's good to be back. I didn't know if the network was going to pick up season two. You know, I know. You know, when we started this uh, a little over a year ago, <laughs> I had two goals. One was to get to season two, <laughs> and the other was to have a million followers or listeners. Indeed. Let's just say we're on to season two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Well, we've uh, we haven't picked up any new sponsors for the year, so uh, if you want to sponsor the show, feel free to just send us a T-shirt, and we'll give you a shout out. Price is right. Like, literally, we have none. Yeah. But <clears throat> speaking of uh, goals, it is the new year now. It is. So we're into twenty twenty one. Into February, and you know I've been listening around here for people's New Year's resolutions. Everybody likes. I feel like the older and older you get, the less you set. I would agree with that. I mean, the gym, and too, this year you had an excuse. Well, the gym's not open. I can't, you know, I can't join the gym. <laughs> well, the gym's wide open now. Now it is. So, with that, I was looking at the top uh, top resolutions for 2021. And as you're mentioning, health, health, fitness, weight yeah, loss, that kind of thing, for sure. came in, and both men and women, just under 50%, are going with health. You know what uh, number two is for men? Um, health and, and weight is in number one. Yes. Is that correct. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with, uh, more golf. <laughs> money was the second okay. one. Yep. Okay. Money was the second one. And, uh, women, however, their second one was self-improvement. Okay. The odd thing I found about the, the men in the second one being money is career fell way down the list. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I think people are re-looking at, you know, how and where they're spending their time. And I would agree with that. Looking at prior to, you know, March of 2020, like all the things you did that I don't want to put under the, uh, let's just say they, you, you look at them and you think, were those things as important as maybe I thought they were? I back would agree in the with day? that. And you can only control, I mean, to a certain degree, what right. you make. You can certainly control some of the possible wasted expenditures. That's in your correct. Life. I don't have any. But my wife definitely has. Oh, for sure. Mine are justifiable. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Hey, let's talk qu- quickly about the uh, the guest we have on today. Yeah. You have to mention that. Yeah, who is We it? have a gentleman who was supposed to be live in studio in March of 2020. Clearly, that didn't work out. And his message, um, his name is Eric Thomas. He's the chief distribution officer at Alliance sure. Life. Mm-hmm. Alliance is a big organization, uh, you know, as you know, one of the world's largest uh, insurance companies. And mm-hmm. so Eric has a big job there. But I listened to him about a year and a half, two years ago, give a talk on the five traits of a successful business. Okay. okay. And I thought it was relevant back in March of last year. But as you fast forward, everything he talks about, I think, is more relevant today, mm-hmm. which is why we wanted him to be the first, and I told 
Oh, that's a coveted spot. Yeah, the, the, the first guest. So as we were talking, you know, prior to the show here, I told him, I said, you know, you're going to be the first guest. And if this goes poorly, I don't know. I mean, our, so anyway, I think he's feeling the heat, I but I'm imagine. excited to have him on. He's, he, he gives a really good talk. He can perform under pressure too. He's, he's a good one. He can. And so anyway, his, his um, things I think are relevant to what we're talking about here. But yeah. the five traits of a successful business is what Eric is going to talk uh, talk with me about. Well, certainly there's personal resolutions and there's and everybody goes through business resolutions. I think they call it more business planning. And when you look at the personal side, I mean, it's there's statistics like 80% of New Year's resolutions get dropped by the second week of February. Right. In fact, I think it was Strava that was quoting uh, January 19th as Quitter's Day as the day they pre- the decided the most would do it. <laughs> but when you're making business goals, I mean... I would hope that everyone on the call that, that owns a business or everybody that even, you know, has a, has a role in controlling a business makes some type of strategic goals and initiatives and not the big ones, but they're, they're not too much different than what you would make from a, from a personal level. You know, when you really break down the mechanics of it, we've certainly gone through ours here this year, but we also had, what, 20 of our top advisors on a call the other day, and they were talking about some of the, uh, business initiatives that they wanted to continue on. And one of the ones that I thought was interesting is the, you know, furthering technology, using more webinars and doing more Zoom meetings. I would imagine most people listening have had more Zoom calls in their life in the last six months than you could ever have. But if you're someone that travels versus Zoom calls, I'm just as comfortable doing some of the things I used to travel for, for Zoom calls. Yeah. I I think, you know, one of the things that, uh, well, personally and from a business standpoint that that we're focused on is, you know, like I said, prior to March of 2020, there were a lot of important things and meetings and they're all important. But at the same time, they're maybe not all as important as what we once thought they were. Mm-hmm. So as we move into 2021, you know, looking from a personal schedule and a business schedule, like are the things you're doing, one, some of them are fun to do, but two, you know, can they be accomplished in a more efficient manner? And the answer is an overwhelming, absolutely, they can. Right. I totally agree. And some of that stuff is not, not that the meetings and things aren't valuable, but also you got used to spending a lot more time doing the things that you love to do. Maybe it's with your family, maybe it's playing golf, whatever. And those things can continue. The other resounding one that, that I hear over and over again is more business owners. And this is always the case more of them working on their business instead of trapped in it. Right. And I think that's one that always is something to work on. So let's talk a little bit about setting goals for the business. I know one of the things that we use here are SMART goals. Yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about what Yeah, SMART is. goals are certainly nothing we coined here. I'm not yeah. sure who actually came up with that, but it was pretty good. Whoever we'll say did. We did. If you don't know who it is, it was us. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> SMART goals. So if you're thinking, and especially as you're going to listen to Eric and I think what he's going to talk about, based on what I heard him talk about and what we prepped for, is they have to be smart. Okay, so when you're thinking, listening, I need to do that, I need to do that, I need to do that, you got to break them down. And smart really stands for specific. Okay, what's your specific goal? Mm-hmm. Is it measurable? So how are you going to measure it? Yep. Is it achievable? Okay, you can't go from selling eight things to selling 800 things. Mm-hmm. Go from eight things to selling 16. It's measurable. Is it achievable? It is. Are relevant? Is it relevant to your business, to your personal life? These aren't just business goals, but any goal you set, is it relevant? Mm-hmm. And the last is time bound. Does it have, going back to achievable, does it have a specific amount of time to when achieve that goal? When can you do it? You know, 800 might be your goal, 
right? You were selling 10 things. Now you want to sell 800. Right. Okay. That could be your three year, four year, five year, but it's probably not your six month goal. So specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound. The other thing that I think that, that you definitely want to focus on is you can take sales goals or you could take, oh, take an organization one. If I'm going to go paperless, right? People will say, oh, I'm going to go 100% paperless by next year. Like that's a big goal. If you had whatever, 500 client files in a file drawer and you knew that you had to do however many a month or however many a week, like can you break it down to the actual metrics that will get you to where you're at instead of just waiting till November and saying, oh, I didn't do it. Another one is, you know, sales goals of, you know, whatever you sell has some average profit to it. And it takes how many people to talk to, to get what is your closing ratio on selling your widgets or whatever they are and how much activity do you have to do to get to those presentations basically. So if you move back the activity to how much activity do you have to do based on the averages you've done, you'll hit those numbers by starting at the front end, not just hoping you end up with the end result right. that's in mind. Yeah. I think a lot of people there, you know, they, they set goals of, you know, like I said, I want to sell 800 widgets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not really sure that's your goal. Mm-hmm. Your goal has to be, you know, last year I talked to 300 consumers and I sold X amount. If I want to do that, I've got to talk to 800 or 900 right. people. And mm-hmm. then you work your way backwards into activity leads to results. And I don't think that's unique in any business. The other thing that I know that Eric talks a lot about is culture of places. Yeah. And, you know, the same thing is if you have strategic initiatives like this, is the culture of your business, do your people, you know, your team all, all know what we're striving to get, or is it just something that you have in your mind and not sharing with anybody? But if you can get everybody on board with the two, three, four of them, whatever they are, you'll certainly find the culture is having a much better time helping accomplish those and making business better this year. And well, certainly Eric's a big uh, former uh, college athlete and his boys are all athletes. Yes. And so we'll certainly talk a little about sports, but I think that's probably the most relatable thing. And it's, you know, I can't dunk a basketball. You can't? Although I'd love to be able to. I, in high school, I used to be able to touch the rim, uh-huh. but uh, I, I'm not tall enough and I can't jump high enough. So anyway, I think Eric will talk a little bit about, you know, and I'll ask him to talk a little about sports, right? You look at some of the franchises or some of the, whether it's Tom Brady or Michael Jordan, like you, you look at that and you think like, that's the team I want to have. And that's, uh-huh. that's where I want to be. The question is, how do you get there? And I, so you know, we're not going to teach you to be Tom Brady or Michael Jordan on this show, but uh, I think the things that, you know, we're going to talk to Eric about are, you know, again, using those smart goals and the five traits of a successful business. I certainly think uh, he's going to have some really good stuff for us. Sounds good. Well, I will die. I ended last season, so you begin the first season. I'll get on out of here. Let Eric have my chance. All right. All right. Joining me today as Brian uh, leaves and Eric Thomas is my guest. Eric, how are you doing? Doing great. Good. So Eric, uh, you may or may not know this, but this is season two of the Bull, the Bear and My Brother's Chair. And you, my friend, are the first guest of the season. How does that make you feel? Uh, it makes me feel honored and excited to, uh, to be your first guest this year. So thanks for having me. Wow. I appreciate you being on. And, and as, as Eric said, uh, and I may refer to him as Eric, I may refer to him as ET and we'll talk about that a little bit, but as Eric, um, you know, mentioned, he is the chief distribution officer at Allianz Life. And 
A lot of you may know Allianz, some of you may not, but Allianz is certainly one of the world's largest insurance companies. So it's a got a global footprint and certainly a big one here in the United States. So Eric, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background and you know how you came to be Chief Distribution Officer at Allianz. Sure. So as I mentioned, I've been here 25 years now and pretty much always in a sales and distribution role. Uh, Prior to taking the role as Chief Distribution Officer, um, I ran one of our distribution channels called FMO Distribution, uh, Field Marketing Organization Distribution. And that's really where I've had the opportunity to work with organizations like Gradient Financial and working with independent financial advisors that are trying to solve uh, financial needs for their clients every single day. So it's been a great run. It's been a great company to work for and uh, proud to be part of the organization. Yeah, and certainly, um, you know, Eric, before we get into business topics, and, and I've got to tell you, you know, I've been fortunate to know ET for a long time now, and um, it's hard to get, um, you know, through through just listening, but ET is a, uh, first of all, a great guy, but second, a fantastic speaker, and from a business point of view, you know, he's helped, I know, hundreds of advisors and certainly organizations like ours uh, grow. So before we get into what ET is going to talk about, which is extremely beneficial to anybody who's in a business, owning, running a business, let's talk a little about sports, ET. And we're going to try and uh, avoid, uh, you know, a lot of the COVID stuff. Everybody knows where we're at in terms of COVID, but in terms of sports and specifically youth athletics, as my kids get into youth athletics, I know you've been involved in it for a long time. You have three three boys, correct? Correct. And where where are we at from a you know as we sit here in early 2021? Are they playing? Are they at home? Like where do they sit right now? Yeah, they're uh, still doing virtual learning, but we got some good news that it sounds like they'll be moving to a hybrid model here hopefully in the next 30 days, but uh, I'm excited because uh, they're back in a gym um, and, uh, you know, we worked through all the appropriate protocols, but uh, we actually started practices uh, right after the first of the year and uh, and we actually had our first game uh, last Friday and uh, we're uh, back playing uh, basketball in the gym, which is extremely exciting for me and for my kids, not only because uh, they love the sport, um, but it's a passion I have as well. Um, I love coaching. Uh, I was able to coach all of them as they moved up through the youth program and their summer AAU programs. Um, and I was fortunate enough to play a long time ago, uh, play college basketball at St. John's. So any chance I can be in the gym, either coaching or watching uh, is exciting for me. So they are back playing uh, high school basketball, which is exciting. That's good. I know that's that's certainly a big part of your life and theirs and your families. And so that's that's exciting to see. And Second part, E.T. mentioned he was a college basketball player at St. John's. Those of you that don't know that aren't in Minnesota, which is most people, St. John's is, what, about an hour north of Minneapolis? Is that correct? Yep. A little over an hour, yeah. Yeah, so about an hour north. I didn't have time, E.T., to look up stats, and and I don't know if you're lucky or not, but I didn't have time to look up your stats, but I was going to. So you played college ball there. (laughs) Well, hey, you know what? You know, the percentage of people that play college basketball is uh, extremely low. So I think uh, that's a win for you. So anyway, E.T., a couple of things that we want to talk about today. And I listened to Eric about it, well, it was a year, year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, talk about this and really the topic of today's show, which is five traits of a successful business. And we're going to go through each of the five. But the thing that I think is really cool about this topic, specifically what we've been through the last 10 months 
These are things that it doesn't matter if, you know, restaurants are open, uh, doesn't matter what environment we're in, okay? These are things that I believe will live certainly through our lifetime. So, E.T., let's start it off. Give me topic number one. Yeah, topic number one, and I would maybe start by saying one of the fortunate things of my role in working for Allianz for as long as I have is the opportunity to work with entrepreneurs, the opportunity to work with financial advisors, and the opportunity to work with business owners. And I have found that uh, successful business owners do these five things extremely well. So topic number one is a proven, repeatable process. Good. So when we talk about a proven, repeatable process, again, you might own a financial business, you might own a restaurant. ET, why don't you expand on that a little bit? What is it about a proven, repeatable process that you think one is important and two, how do people do that? Yeah, um, I think it first starts by finding out what works in your business. What are those key elements that make you successful, make your organization successful? And then how do you perfect that? How do you constantly look to improve those processes, those things that you do every single day to make them better? Um, not having too many priorities. Um, I remember someone telling me years ago that it's hard to be aggressive when you're confused. And if you have too many priorities, you have too many processes, you've got too many things going on at once, you're going to find that you're not going to be great at any one of those things. But instead, focus on, focus on those things that make you successful. And how do we repeat those? How do we do them every single day? And every single day, how do we get better at them? And I'm also a big believer in what you measure will improve. And finding those things that you can measure in your business in that repeatable process um, to improve on your success. So um, just some ideas to think about as it relates to having a repeatable process and how do you make that better? Yeah, I think, you know, the things that, Certainly we have some, you know, like-minded um, business ventures in terms of Allianz and Gradient and the things that we're doing. And I think that's, you know, one of the things you talk to a business owner, you say, you know, did that work? Whether it's marketing or sales or whatever it is. And they say, you know what? It didn't really work. You say, well, tell me more about that. Is, is that something you did once or you did a hundred times? And when you talk about measuring something, can you talk a little more specifically about, give me one example of things you see in your business or in the distribution of financial product business that oftentimes people may give up on or they really don't have measurables? Yeah, for, for us, it's all, all centers and comes back to activity. Um, I have a saying, manage activity, pay for results. And so um, what are those key activities in your business um, that ultimately allow you to get in front of a prospect, that ultimately allow you to um, have a conversation with a potential client? Um, and really measuring those activities and seeing how frequently do you repeat them? How frequently are you um, doing the various activities that make you successful? Um, I think a lot of people find themselves extremely busy, um, but they don't take time to measure those activities and then pinpoint what those activities ultimately lead to in terms of results. Um, and so uh, for us, you know, on the sales side here at Allianz, it could be just uh, talk time. Uh, it could be dials. It could be contacts. It could be face-to-face -face interactions. It could be emails sent. But what are all those activities? And then really measuring them and repeating them um, to find that success. Yeah, no, I, I certainly agree. And I don't think it's my saying, but certainly one that we live by here is, you know, sales is a contact sport. And I don't care what business you're in. I think, uh, you know, measuring 
And when somebody says, did it work, did it not? You have the data behind it. So let's move on to number two, which is, uh, as you and I were talking, is relentless excellence. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and, and set that up for us? Yeah, the, the, the words here are chosen uh, for, uh, for a meaning here. Uh, everybody understands excellence. You, you know excellence when you see it. But the word relentless excellence really means looking at every single touch point you have with your clients. And I think some people immediately go to that face-to-face interaction, and, and that is a very important touch point you have with your clients. But there's so many other ways you interact with your clients, whether that's through written communication, whether that's through your website, whether that's through your marketing efforts, whether that's interaction they have with your staff and maybe not you, whether that's a phone call that comes into your office, and really looking at every single one of those touch points, and are you creating what I call a wow factor? Now, some people create a wow factor in certain parts of their business, but are you creating a wow factor in every part of your business and this idea of under-promising and over-delivering. And I think that's one of the things I see in successful financial advisors, I see in successful businesses, is they find every single way that they interact with their clients, and they pursue this relentless excellence in trying to make sure that when their client has an experience with their firm, with their company, that really does create that wow factor. Yeah, I agree. that You know, when you think about businesses and the wow factor, I mean, we can all think of, uh, you know, ET. Why don't you think about one business just for a minute here that's not in the financial business that gives you that wow factor? Okay, I'll throw one out for you. So, you know, Ritz Carlton. Okay, pick out your hotel that's like that. They give you that experience. I don't really care about the room, although it's nice. That experience they give you is the wow factor. What other business could you name, uh, ET? That would be you would consider has that, you know, that that extra something that wow. Well, I'm a big uh, Allbird shoe fan, and okay. uh, I don't know if anybody's ever heard or worn them, um, but every time I order or every time I have an experience from a customer service, they go above and beyond. Um, and, uh, you know, they're an organization that doesn't do a lot of advertising, and a lot of their advertising is word of mouth. So you've got to have that positive experience when you interact. And again, you may not actually be interacting with a person, it may be all online. Um, but they're always somebody that comes to mind when I think of relentless excellence. Yeah, I, I think that's so important because at the end of the day, whether it's shoes or restaurants or financial, okay, each each industry kind of has very similar products. And so at the end of the day, you're going to buy or acquire that service or that you know product or merchandise. And really, you said it. I mean, that wow factor, that service factor, in my opinion you know, really puts people you know, over the top or it makes you think, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm going to go back there. So ET number three, continuous evolution. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, this one I think probably applies uh, to our lives over the last 12 months uh, more than ever. And it really is perfecting your business um, to an ever-changing landscape. Um, and it goes back to that point I made earlier about always improving and also to that client experience and really making sure that your business is always evolving. So for those of you that have been in the business a long time, and when I say a long time, that may be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, think about your business 10, 20, 30 years ago and how you prospected or how you marketed and think of your business today and how it has evolved. Now think of going forward, right? How are we going to interact with our clients going forward? We know that technology will play a role in that. 
We know that uh, there's more information for consumers now to gather. Um, so thinking about just how can you continue to evolve your business. Um, for us, and probably for a lot of you, uh, that evolution that was really acceler accelerated in the last 12 months was virtual tools. Um, you know, right now we're holding the majority of our events, the majority of our interactions with our customers virtually. And we've perfected it and we've really found a new way that most likely uh, we will never go back the way it was. Um, I love the day when we can go back and do face-to-face -face meetings, um, but we're going to have an element of virtual. And what we have found is we can just reach more clients, more prospects, through virtual events. So that's just one example. Sometimes the situation forces you to change, but successful businesses put themselves in a situation where the mindset is, how do I change before I have to change so I'm prepared for it? And that continuous evolution is a big part of being a successful business owner. Certainly. And that's one of the things, you know, as I kind of open this up, that regardless of what environment we're in, uh, you know, these are things that are going to continue the the five things that ET is talking about here forever. So one of the questions I have for you, as you talked about this year and certainly technology and, you know, in our business and the financial distribution, one of the things we talk with our advisors and certainly we have, um, you know, a lot of advisors that listen to this, the things that you've been doing, okay, you've in a lot of ways been forced into since March of 2020, in your opinion, whether it's from Allianz or from the advisors you work with, what are some of those things more specifically that you see that they've either been forced into or we've worked into that w that will or should continue? Yeah, the one that I would point to, and this is actually something we started before um, all of the you know things that happened over the last 12 months, is just how we submit business and uh, through electronic or what we call e-app. Um, we call it apply now here at Allianz Life. And um, we're now at a point where 70 to 80, some lines of business, close to 90% of our business is coming in electronically. Now, the simple answer to that is, well, okay, you're just doing away with paper. And yes, that is a, a byproduct of doing things electronically. But the th this is the thing I've always uh, really appreciated about independent financial advisors is you do business with a lot of different companies. You do business with, you know, in, in, in your case at Gradient, in, in many different states, um, and just keeping track of all the forms and all the necessary paperwork that is required to do a piece of business. And when you do it electronically, um, there's something called what we call in the, on the insurance side, in good order or not in good order, meaning um, there's missing requirements. Well, when you do it electronically, um, you significantly reduce all that, what I used to call, you know, paper chasing, to go back and get signatures or additional forms. And it makes you more effective. It makes you more efficient. It makes us more effective. It makes us more efficient. And at the end of the day, it also uh, significantly reduces the number of errors in terms of issuing a piece of business. So that's been one example that has served us well, and we have started well before this, but has really changed how we do business both on the front end and the back end. Yeah, no, that that's certainly, you know, in the financial distribution, as you were talking about, you know, if, if we at Gradient, we've got to keep all the forms up to date. You've got to, your salespeople, like everybody has to send it. When you're using a system like you guys have, you can't do the wrong form. And so ultimately, I agree with you, you know, yes, cutting down paperwork is important, but creating that efficiency in your business, in my opinion, is really 
you know, the, the evolution of people's business. Can you make your business more memorable? Can you make it more efficient? So I think, you know, in terms of efficiency, let's just talk about that for one moment. Other than the forms, is there anything else, you know, you can point to or you can, as we look forward, things that either you guys or advisors or, or us that we should be doing that points more towards efficiency? Yeah, the one thing I would say, and this is going to be pretty broad, but I think it's important for financial advisors is to embrace technology um, because it is rapidly changing how we do business and it is also rapidly changing how the customer is getting information. And, um, you know, in terms of you look at other businesses outside of financial services um, and technology is changing the landscape of how consumers purchase products. Um, Sometimes insurance and uh, our business is a little slow to adapt uh, technology, um, but I would tell you to embrace it or for some of you, um, hire someone that can um, or someone that understands it and bring that into your business. You will find that that will pay itself back many times over uh, when you really embrace technology into how you do business and how you interact with your clients. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great segue to number four and you talked about team. And I think, you know, people that have type A personalities are typically in the sales business. Um, sometimes they have the attitude of, you know, if it's to be, it's up to me, right? I've got to do it. I've got to be the person. So let's talk about number four, which is a winning culture. With your, you know, athletic background and all the things that we've talked about, talk a little bit about a winning culture and creating that within your organization. Yeah, this is a big one for me um, because I'm a big believer in culture, eat, strategy for lunch. And uh, everybody wants to be on a winning team. And I think one of the most important things, whether you have a small staff or a large staff, is really setting both expectations and clear goals throughout your entire organization on what success looks like. And then celebrating your achievements uh, when you accomplish them. Um, You know, I I remember someone telling me that, um, you know, every company should have a vision. And a vision is nothing more than where are we going as an organization. And then immediately following that is the mission. And the mission is how are we going to get there? And that's where most companies stop. They set a vision, they set a mission, but they miss the single most important component of setting goals and building a winning culture, and that is individual accountability and making sure everyone in your organization knows what their role is to being successful. And it goes back to setting those goals and achieving that success and making sure, and this is of equal importance, is having top talent. Um, Someone also once told me that A leaders hire A talent and B leaders hire C talent. So surrounding yourself with top talent and really embracing that idea of having a winning culture and setting goals throughout your entire organization. Yeah, I think that the one, I think we've all, and certainly know you have, watched the uh, the Michael Jordan documentary. Um, you know, that to me was kind of what, what you were laying out right there, which is everybody on that team, whether it's Jordan, Pippen, you can take all the personal stuff out of it, but everybody on that team, you know, Phil Jackson, they all had their role. And so using that as an example, I think you've watched that documentary, is that correct, E.T.? Uh, many times. <laughs> <laughs> Using that as an example, like, it, it, could you speak a little bit to that role and whether it's Michael Jordan, Pippen, like, it, it, just talk a little bit about that if you could or, or any other sporting example that you can think of. 
Yeah, so um, um, I, I call it the four C's. And again, whether you have a large team or a small team, or you're talking about a team in, in business, or you're talking about a team in sports, um, you can put team members into these four C's. Um, the first one is the cynical. And the cynical are the naysayers. The cynical are the people that says it's not going to work and here are the reasons why. And someone once explained to me that the cynical are the people that have quit but haven't left the organization. And you can't get those people out of your organization fast enough. The second C is the compliance. And the compliant do just enough to get by. And we all know people on teams that do that. They're not bad people. Um, They're not bad employees, but they're never going to go above and beyond. They're going to do just enough to get the job done, and then they're going to punch the clock and they're going to go home. Here's the concern. The cynical, if you still have them in your organization, can pull down the compliant, and now you've got more people that are cynical. Right. The two most important C's are the last two, the committed and the compelled. And the committed is probably the core of most organizations. They're committed to the goal. They're committed to the mission. They do a good job. The compelled are the leaders. And those are the people that carry the rest of the organization along with them. And they raise the bar. And to your documentary example of the last dance, clearly Jordan was the compelled and he got others to buy into it, right, to achieve their ultimate success. Um, And someone once explained it to me this way, the committed Um, they're committed in the head. The compelled are committed in the heart, and they truly believe that they are doing something for the greater good or a greater cause. And the more people you can have in the committed and the compelled, um, the more successful you'll be as an organization or as a team. Yeah, I think that's, you know, winning culture, whether it's you're you're working with your kids or sports teams or your, your company, and there's so many examples there that I think you laid out that are extremely important when you're building a team, you're looking at an athletic team. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, that That's a huge one. So let's talk about the last one, uh, which I think has been a little more challenging um, over the last eight or 10 months, has been enduring relationships. So talk a little about that, E.T., if you would. Yeah. So this one, you know, probably again goes without saying, but we're in a relationship business. And for those financial advisors listening today, Um, people don't buy an Allianz product or they don't buy uh, a process or they don't buy uh, a platform. First and foremost, they're buying you. Um, And and you've got to build that trust. You've got to build that relationship Um, and making sure that, again, I go back to that relentless uh, excellence in my earlier example is, you know, showing a genuine, genuine interest in their goals, their wishes, and their aspirations. And again, I think if I think of some of our most successful businesses, they know their best clients. They know their clients better than everybody else. They know more than just their financial situation. Um, they know their personal situation. They know their family members, and they take a genuine interest in making sure that what they're doing meets those goals and objectives. And, you know, that takes time. You don't build an enduring relationship overnight, um, but you build that trust. You build those relationships over time. And when you do that, um, you know, those really do make a difference in, in how we do business and the success of, of, of business. Um, as it relates to our clients. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. And when you look at those five, as we kind of you know wrap up the five, you've got proven repeatable process, relentless excellence, continuous evolution, winning culture, and enduring relationships. And those each and of you know each of those by themselves, as you talk about them, and as we sit here, they they seem you know pretty straightforward, pretty easy. But I think you know putting together 
those five with your team, doesn't matter what, uh, like I said, what team it is, that's challenging. And so if you're a person that's listening, ET, as we kind of wrap up this section, any piece of advice you would give, because we all sit there, whether it's your business or ours, and, and some days you think, man, we've got it all together. It's all going on. And then the next day you think, oh my gosh, like, what is happening? What would be a piece of advice you could give to somebody in the business world that may be listening and like, where do I start? What's one thing with my team, uh, whether I'm coaching, whether it's my, you know, my, my firm, what's one piece of advice you could give them to, where do I start? Yeah, I'd start by saying, don't boil the ocean. And so we gave you five things today. And if you wanted to try and implement or uh, refine parts of your business in all five of these, probably uh, won't be as successful as picking one. So if there's one of these that resonated with you, start there and really taking a concerted effort to look at your business and say, how can I get better at this? That would be the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say um, is listen um, and listen to what your clients are saying. And again, those of you on the line, that's what you do extremely well, but better understanding what they need, what's important to them in terms of that relationship they have with you and your organization. And then I'll throw a shameless plug in there as well, but use the resources at Gradient. Um, you know, they work with financial advisors from all over the country, from all different walks of life, and from all different degrees of being successful. So they're a great resource um, to be able to share with you what's working, but also what's not working. Um, and how you can overcome some of the things you might be struggling with in your business. I certainly appreciate that. And ET, before we wrap up, I'd be remiss. In your opening, you talked a little about golf, okay? And you and I have had the opportunity to play golf several times to include at the old course. But you mentioned that uh, your handicap isn't quite as low as mine, and it's probably better than Brian's. Is that a fair statement? That's a that's a fair statement. I hope I hope Brian isn't offended by hey, that. Hey, listen, I think he'll be okay, but I have to ask, your golf game, okay, then this is going to be recorded, as you remember. So when we play, I, I feel like sometimes you tell me you're a 10 or 11, sometimes an 18. Like, where do we sit today? What's, what's our <laughs> handicap? What's your index today? Early 2021. Well, you do it. You do have to understand we are in a non-golfing part of the season right now Correct. in Minnesota. But but I can literally pull up right now my official gin, my golf okay. handicap index. And I am telling you today, as of my last round, which was probably sometime in October, <laughs> I am a 13.1 index, which means most likely I need more strokes from you the next time we play. <laughs> well, I'm still slightly below a 13, but... Uh... I have uh, hope, and I think you're going to be about somewhere in the 8-9 range by the time the season ends. Do you think that's doable? Um, depends on who I'm playing. If I'm playing you, I'm going to stay at the 13. <laughs> I'm playing somebody else, maybe we'll try and get down in that range. And I don't think you're slightly below 13. Uh, I don't know what your definition of slightly is. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm below that. But, okay, ET, I've got one more question for you. This year, as you look into 2021, obviously we're all excited to you know get back to some, hopefully some sense of normal and getting back to that face-to-face -face relationship. But anything personally that you can think of that you know, has changed in your life from a personal standpoint that you're excited to either you know, continue or make better or any personal things that you think you know, will help you uh, and your family as we continue into 2021? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I think a lot of people thought uh, 2021 was going to flip the calendar and all of a sudden everything was going to be back to normal and, uh, you know, the way it used to be, you know, a year ago. And I I would start by saying there's still a lot of uncertainty uh, in our business and everything that's going on. But what 2020 really uh, revealed to me um, is the importance of those interactions with our clients and our family members. Um, If there was a a positive for me last year on the business side, I have never felt more connected to my team that I lead and some of our top distribution clients because there was just additional new ways to connect with them. And also having worked from home for a number of months, um, having three teenage boys, I know I'm going to blink and eventually they're going to be off to college. Yep. Um, I never spent more time with my family. Now, my wife might not think that's a positive. Yeah. She wanted to get me back into the office. Um, but, you know, I was playing basketball almost every day after they were done with school and I was done with work uh, in the driveway and uh, trying to think I was still young again. But um, just really appreciating those relationships. And even as difficult as last year was, Um, finding ways to stay connected with those that are most important to you is probably the biggest takeaway for me last year. Yeah, I think that's great. Well, that wraps up our our session here. But ET, I want to, first of all, uh, thank you for coming on and say congratulations to you, both, you know, personally and all the things you've accomplished and certainly your team uh, at Allianz is, is fortunate to have you in the leadership role that you are. So I appreciate you joining us and uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Nate. This is Nate Lucius for The Bull, The Bear, and My Brother's Chair. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media and also on our website, bullbearchair.com. Until next time.